0: Welcome to the BICOM podcast. It's Tuesday, the 6th of September, and I'm Richard Pater, the Executive Director of BICOM. My guest today is Orna Mizrahi. Orna, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank
0: you. Thank you for joining us. So just for, for background, Orna is a Senior researcher, uh, Research Fellow at the Excellent Institute for National Security Studies. Before she joined the INSS, Orna had a distinguished military career, both with the IDF, and with the National Security Council, where she served, her final position was as the the deputy head of the National Security Council, National Security Advisor for Foreign Policy, leading strategic planning on regional and international policy. Our focus today is going to be on Hezbollah and on Lebanon, to which Orna is one of Israel's leading experts. Orna, if we could start perhaps with a focus on the um, the maritime border issue, I suppose, which is becoming particularly Pressing as Israel has the, uh, the floating gas platform of uh, Karish off Israel's northern coast and they're looking to have it to be operational soon. Um, if we can start, the, uh, the US uh, negotiator Amos Hochstein is expected back in Lebanon, maybe even sometime this week. Perhaps we can start, you, you can hear your assessment of where the maritime negotiations currently stand.
1: Uh, thank you, Richard, for the nice introduction, and uh, let me say shalom to all our listeners. And uh, yeah, of course, I can start by um, a short uh, presentation of uh, of what was happening till now uh, in the negotiation uh, about the maritime uh, demarcation between Israel and Lebanon. Um, so uh, the negotiations between Israel and Lebanon uh, on that uh, on this issue began actually. Uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, following the discoveries of gas in the Eastern Eastern Mediterranean, including uh, in Israel's uh, EEZ. So far, there have been several rounds uh, of American-mediated negotiations, but they all failed. In In the previous round, the last one before the one that we are having now, that they held at the end of uh, 2020. Uh, The Lebanese even uh, hardened uh, their positions very much. And it seems that there was no chance to have uh, any progress. So uh, it was stopped. Uh, But the current round of negotiations that started in June uh, this year is different. It seems different different and there is a uh, optimism uh, on both on both sides if you will ask me uh, what caused the change the answer will be very uh, uh, very obvious and i think that the main factor is the change in the attitude and the position of the lebanese side uh, what they present now is totally uh, different uh, different position than the one that they have presented in the uh, last uh, round. It seems that with the arrival, uh, what was happening in the, the, uh, in the beginning of June was the arrival of, uh, uh, of the Karish gas field bridge uh, to the Israeli EEZ, um, that is uh, the closest uh, gas field to Lebanon. And the Lebanese uh, suddenly realized that they might lose the opportunity to promote gas, uh, the gas uh, exploration in their EEZ. Uh, and uh, uh, very surprisingly, I would say, they, something changed over there. And they, they hurried to support the American mediator Hochstein. And they, they presented him a new uh, position. Now let me uh, um, let me uh, present the the, the attitude uh, this day. Uh, actually, they they express willingness to compromise, and uh, uh, their position is uh, includes three main components. The first one is uh, the Lebanon will return to her previous position, according to which the area of dispute is more limited and according to which the Karish gas field is not included in it. It is, Israel, it is in the, included in the Israeli zone. Now the Lebanese uh, are uh, accepting that. In return, Lebanon will receive the entire, uh, they call it Kana gas field, we call it a Tzidon in, uh, in Hebrew, the Kana Tzidon gas field which is, uh, which located in the disputed er area. Uh, uh, And this is the main dispute because a part of it is uh, in Israel's uh, territory even according to the Lebanese uh, position. The third component and this uh, makes a little bit problem is that Although they realize that Karish is in Israel, Israel's EEZ, they still say that Israel must not stop producing gas in Karish before the settlement with Lebanon uh, is reached. It seems uh, that uh, this position is accepted by all parties in Lebanon, including Hezbollah. And this is very important because the dominant uh, uh, influence of Hezbollah in Lebanon. And my assessment is that what caused the change in Lebanon position, Lebanon's position is the really catas- catastrophic internal situation in Lebanon. Mm. The state is suffering from, uh, you know, economic uh, collapse. And you know what? We can say today that it's a dying economy. And um, the, the political system is uh, not functioning. And there is powerless is paralyzed. So um, the, the cat- catastrophic situation led the, the leaders, and I don't know if you call, we can call them leaders, but the leadership uh, of uh, Lebanon to understand that they have to do something about it. Um, now, uh, as you mentioned, Richard, uh, in the coming day, and I think even uh, tomorrow, the American mediator is supposed to arrive uh, to the region, is going to be in uh, France and then come to Israel and then to Lebanon. And in Lebanon is supposed to convey Israel's answer uh, to the the Lebanese uh, proposal and uh, he will try to formulate a final uh, uh, compromise proposal. And uh, uh, we have to wait and see if it's going to be if the, the optimistic uh, atmosphere is going uh, to stay,
0: so I mean, what you said—it sounds actually quite uh, quite optimistic and upbeat. So, you would you would you assess your your confidence or how confident are you that they will actually reach an agreement?
1: Well, I think that there are that there are a few setbacks that we have to look uh, uh, at uh, at them. Um The first one is that nobody wants to be the the one that uh, will present it as the one that gave up and, uh, uh, and, and weak. And you have to bear in mind that, that nowadays we have um, on both sides, it's a tra- transitional uh, government, an Israeli mm. trans- and transitional government, and we have the elections coming, uh, I, on the first of November, and in Israel, the opposition already is talking about the fact that if um, if uh, there is agreement that uh, gives up a part of uh, it's not territory actually it's uh, it's it's water it's it's the easy it's not exactly like a, the territorial land but they say that if there is a, 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 some kind of uh, um, uh, compromise on the, on the, on this area, it, it, it this government that is trans, transitional government cannot do that, cannot decide about it. This, this is something that can, you know, uh, be a setback on the Israeli side.
0: Do you think, is, is that a legitimate position? I mean, is this, does it have, does water have the same status as land legally? So
1: as I, as I understand it, you know, there is a dispute about that, but as I understand it, uh, uh, it's not exactly the same because sovereignty on, on the sea is different than the sovereignty on uh, on uh, on land, mm. and actually it depends what kind of agreement is going to be. Is it going to be a really demarcation of the border? I'm not sure that they, this is the situation because the, the Lebanese side is not so eager uh, to have a. a, a, a an agreement that demarks the the, the 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 border, the maritime border, because mm. uh, because it means that you recognize the other side. So I think it's a, it's a little bit problematic. It, the question is what kind of agreement is going to be? Maybe it's going to be an agreement between the uh, between the uh, companies, the international companies that produce the oil. Uh, there are lots of uh, ideas about that. So, um, anyway, if it, it the, you know when we are go- we are talking about the uh, election time, the opposition can cause problem, and for the for you know for the current government that is quite uh, you know a challenge has uh, big challenges in uh, these uh, elections. So this is on the Israeli side, but the same goes to the, the Lebanese side because since um, the 15th of May there were a parliamentary election uh, elections and there is no government in uh, Lebanon because they, they cannot decide about the uh, forming uh, uh, who the government will include, what minister, etc. Uh, so it's also a take care government in uh, Lebanon. Uh, And we are going, and uh, the next uh, phase is that we are in a, uh, the presidential elections are going to happen in Lebanon on the 31 of uh, October. So the term of the current president ends on the 31 of October. And uh, the big question is, uh, if and when the new uh, uh, president is going to be elected. Let me just remind you that last time, before uh, Michel Arm was elected, we had two years of vacuum. And then if there is a vacuum, the, the question is, who can decide about a, a, a signing agreement with Israel? So there are a few setbacks about, uh, about that uh, uh, issue. And of course, the dispute itself. Um, if uh, the, the big question is if uh, the Lebanese are going uh, to, uh, uh, to accept two Israeli um, uh, condition. As I understand that one of the condition is that to have some guarantee security guarantees that Hezbollah wouldn't do anything uh, on uh, around the uh, on the uh, uh, sea. And um, another one is about uh, having some compensation about losing the Carnicidone kind of uh, uh, gas field. So there is a long way till there, there will there, there will be a, a agreement concluded. I will be very surprised if it's going to be uh, at the end of this uh, round of talks. But the, the the atmosphere is optimistic. It's because two sides wants the, the agreement this time and are willing to compromise. So we'll have to wait and see what are the results of uh, of uh, the coming round starting from tomorrow.
0: You mentioned kind of the the the, uh, the threats of uh, of Nasrallah and and of Hezbollah. Um, I mean, I mean, how how can, how concerned should we be in the in the short term? Um, about those threats? I mean, we saw uh, a month or so ago, the flying of the UAVs towards the, uh, to, to, towards the Karisha platform, and, and we've heard Nasrallah's threats, which uh, people here in Israel take, uh, take quite seriously. Um, but how, how, can, how, can, how concerned are you about that?
1: So, uh, let me tell you that here in Israel, we pay full attention to all Nasrallah's threats and prepare ourselves for every possible scenario. The IDF, especially, but at the same time, I must uh, say that Nasrallah's threats are part of a cognitive co- campaign. We call it cognitive campaign, a psychological warfare mm. uh, through the media uh, that he is conducting, uh, and it's not new for many years. The the uh, his speeches are a real uh, a, a material for him to uh, to uh, conduct this uh, uh, cognitive campaign and as we saw here the threats uh, were mainly intended to send a message to two audiences. The one of course is Israel with the intention to discourage and deter the idea Uh, and and on the other side also to uh, put some pressure on Israel to give up and compromise Um, The second one is to the Lebanese public, and this is very important to to Hezbollah. Uh, It should be understood that as the internal situation in Lebanon worsens, criticism of Hezbollah in Lebanon increases. More people in Lebanon see, see him as responsible for Lebanon's difficult situation. At the same time, there is growing damage a, a demand that he will give up his uh, independent weapons. So the threats against Israel serve him uh, well uh, to strengthen its internal position. By doing th- this, he presents himself as someone who protects Lebanon and cares for the interest of the Lebanese people who needs him and his uh, weapons Uh, It's true that this time it wasn't just talking. They sent few uh, drones, UAVs, but they were unarmed UAVs that, uh, of course, uh, uh, the IDF intercepted very easily. Uh, But we still see, we call it the kinetic uh, cognitive uh, campaign. The big question is if he's going really to do something as he uh, says, um, uh, because you know, I, I don't know what he thinks that he can do. He, he, can he attack um, uh, civilian infrastructure, international infrastructure? The uh, the Karish uh, uh, floating bridge is uh, is owned by uh, international company. So, if he will do something, maybe it will be uh, something along the border that will sign is uh, uh, resentments of what's going on. Um, and uh, he, he really will want to contain it because as we understand it, Hezbollah doesn't want to go uh, to a, a military conflict and not a, a wide-scale military conflict of course. Uh, but uh, we uh, still, as I said, uh, as I began with, um, we're still uh, preparing ourselves and uh, on alert uh, to all uh, the possibilities because, you know, here in our region, the the, the miscalculation and deterioration uh, is uh, happening, and we have to be uh, uh, ready for that.
0: Absolutely, I, I want to ask you in a moment a little bit more about Hezbollah, but just to finish up on the uh, on on the maritime issue. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting what you say about kind of the both both Israel and Lebanon have kind of the um, temporary, intermediate, uh, tr- um, transitional governments in place. I wondered kind of how that affects kind of the legitimacy on the Lebanese side of uh, of negotiating this, um, or if there is any public uh, resentment or support for these talks. Um, as
1: as I understand it. Um, they all support the position of Hezbollah that is presented uh, in uh, in you know in the in the media uh, that Lebanon has to uh, to get what it deserves and has to get its rights and Israel cannot steal uh, from Lebanon uh, its its resources and of course, they understand that the, um, the negotiations is, is a very important way to get it. So I think that, uh, as I said, there is a change. And in the last few months, there is a, a totally uh, a, a support, uh, and even from, from the public to that. But I must tell you that they're not so busy with it. They are busy with uh, how they can survive the next day. The situation mm. in Lebanon is awful. So. Um, uh, the the public is not the, the problem and the issue is uh, the leadership and especially uh, what Hezbollah will uh, uh, will let the the uh, the other uh, leaders from the other sects uh, to do if he you if will uh, uh, allow the prime minister Mikati uh, the Sunni prime minister and the Christian uh, president to uh, to sign on agreement that will uh, that could be presented as normalization, you know, mm. Hezbollah. The problem of, of Hezbollah is with normalization uh, with uh, Israel. I mean, it's, uh, I mean you,
0: the normalization is is, is 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 very interesting. I don't know if that's the, if that's if, if that is kind of the, the correct terminology for for, for this. I wondered in the context of what else Israel has done recently in the last couple of years of reaching, reaching those understandings within the Abraham Accords, whether that has any influence um, on, the, on, on the Lebanese position, whether they, whether they could be, um, uh, what's, what's the word, um, encouraged or inspired or, uh, or persuaded to, to enter that, uh, that, that world, or if that's still kind of uh, a red line they're not prepared to cross.
1: You know, uh, Hezbollah is totally against the Abraham Accord and uh, against the relations of our parties with uh, Israel. You know, it's the raison d'etre of Hezbollah.
0: Uh, right.
1: That, uh,
0: but, what, but what about the, what, the, yeah, the that non the, According
1: to the narrative, Israel is the little devil, which sure. whom one must uh, must not establish relation and, uh, 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 and it is an entity that must be destroyed. So. You know, the, the main dilemma is how they can have some kind of agreement on one, because Lebanon needs it, and they need it for the public to show that they are doing something, because they're they are doing nothing to, uh, uh, to change the situation, the internal situation in uh, Lebanon. And on the other side, it's very prob- problematic for them and for their patrons, for, for Iran. Uh, to uh, to uh, agree to uh, uh, this kind of um, having talks and uh, and uh, uh, understanding or agreement or whatever it would be uh, with uh, with the enemy with uh, Israel. Uh, so if we can just. Yeah. if
0: we can just uh, fo- focus on that for a moment because obviously I mean what the understanding is is that uh, hezbollah tries to strike a balance between both being the, the protector of lebanon but also being Iran's most powerful uh, proxy army um, how, how what's what do you make of that uh, of that balancing act yeah I'm uh,
1: often asked this question regarding hmm. the identity of hezbollah hmm. um, Is it an Iranian proxy or Lebanese factor? And my answer is that uh, the organization is both and more Hezbollah has many identities. Uh, It is a terrorist organization, an Iranian proxy, a Lebanese political movement, an independent militia and almost an army with advanced and sophisticated weapons and at the same time, it, it is also a criminal organization engaged in uh, smuggling and uh, money laundering. So it's both, it's, it, it, you, it's not uh, black or white. It's uh, um, when uh, Nasrallah sits and, uh, and uh, considers what he's going to do, what are the considerations that he takes uh, in mind, uh, all of that of how it's going to affect uh, uh, Iran how it's going to affect Lebanon how it's going to affect uh, 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 its its status inside Lebanon how it's going to affect the organization itself and the Shiite population so it's not that it is just an uh, Iranian proxy uh, is more than that is also a political uh, factor a very important one the text takes, takes in account the interests and the needs of uh, of uh, Lebanon uh, uh, also. I, I hope I answered your question.
0: No, that's great. Absolutely, no, that I think you've you've shed a lot of a lot of light on those those multi-faceted aspects of their of, of the organisation. That's very very interesting. I wonder if I could just ask you um, specifically about their military capacity. Um, we Bicom has written in the past, and we focus about the issue of the uh, the upgrading of their. Their, their rockets to precision-guided missiles. Um, where does that program currently stand?
1: Yeah, This is one of the main concerns uh, on the military level of the uh, security level of Israel. Uh, the precision uh, program, the missile precision program, uh, Hezbollah, with the help of Iran, uh, is trying for several years to equip, to equip itself with uh, precision missiles. At first, the Iranian tried, tried to smuggle the missiles through Syria, but the Israeli attacks uh, prevented that. In recent years, what was happening is that the Iranians have changed their tactics and are smuggling the small parts required for the accuracy of uh, the missiles. And the work is done, the upgrading of the missile is done in Lebanon. So you can't do a lot about uh, that. Uh, regarding the quantity of, uh, of the missile that you are asking, uh, you know, I'm no more in, uh, in the Israeli intelligence, so I do not have the exact information about the number. Uh, but I I read Nasrallah, so Nasrallah claims that to have thousands of such such uh, missiles, I think that he is exaggerating a bit, and uh, the, the amount is smaller than that. Maybe a few hundreds, maybe some more. But anyway, it's a concern for us because if a, a war breaks, uh, it's uh, a, it's going to be. Um, it's another story, if you mm. have accurate missiles.
0: And, um, and what, what can you tell us about um, Hezbollah's current deployment uh, inside Syria?
1: They, they withdraw some of its forces uh, from Syria, but it appears that they still have several thousand fighters there that uh, to continue to help to the Assad uh, regime.
0: And uh, the Iranians, of course. And are they based? I mean, I mean, is it is it just an issue about the, uh, the the Syrian Golan and kind of directly focusing on Israel, or is it kind of in other areas? They were in uh, in in Aleppo yeah. for a while and kind of supporting the general effort of the of the Iranian agenda inside Syria.
1: You know, at first it was uh, we are coming to help Assad, and this is what they have done. Uh, to, uh, to uh, help uh, that Assad will survive and uh, to help him against the uh, what they call the, the re- rebels, but uh, you know it's uh, the Syrian people. Uh, uh, and then when uh, Assad was in a better situation, we saw They are trying to establish a military presence in the Syrian Golan Heights. But actually they failed to do so because of the intensive efforts on the part of the IDF to prevent this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The IDF was targeting uh, the activists, was uh, attacking the posts. So today they hardly consist a real military challenge there. There are a few over there uh, in the villages, uh, inside the villages, um, but uh, uh, as I said, they, they, they are not a real military uh, a challenge.
0: Um, thank you for that. Um, just if I could just focus, um, just for the last couple of questions. On you mentioned kind of the uh, the the kind of the dire economic situation that that uh, that's happening inside Lebanon. Um, I mean, if you could just describe kind of your assessment of just how just how bad it is and how that how that economic crisis is affecting the role, the positioning, the popularity of Hezbollah.
1: Okay, Um, look, the internal situation in Lebanon is uh, catastrophic, uh, as I said before, and uh, this issue is uh, needs a a separate and long conversation uh, Hmm. that we have to to take on another occasion. But let me see, just tell you a uh, 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 few, few things that will uh, will paint the uh, mm. situation. Uh, the first one is that uh, just uh, a month ago, the World Bank published a study in which uh, they claim that the Lebanese economy was based on a Ponzi scheme for uh, decades, and that the country is bankrupt. And it's <laughs> its economy actually is dead and that they need a very deep new reforms to change the situation that nobody in Lebanon can do that. Few datas. the Lebanese pound has lost over 90% of its value, more than 90% of its value. So if, uh, you know, the average salary was something like um, uh, 500 or $600, uh, uh, dollars, today they get, uh, 10% of that uh, this has been $50 uh, uh, that it's nothing that you uh, can buy nothing with that it's uh, two tanks of, uh, of uh, fuel in your car and uh, uh, so they're not using the car anymore. There is no food, no electricity, no fuel, no medical or other services and uh, actually there is no hope on the horizon because the corrupt political leadership from all sects, and it's not just Hezbollah, I must say, we, we, we like here in Israel to point our finger on Hezbollah, is to blame about a lot of issues, but the bad, uh, you know, uh, economic, uh, social uh, situation in Lebanon, the, all the corrupt political leadership is to blame about that. From all sects. And they do not, you know, it was started in 2019. It's uh, almost um, uh, more than three years. And uh, they don't uh, lift a finger to improve the situation. Well, what they do is just to care about their own economic interests. So there are in Lebanon maybe 10% of the population that lives in a good, uh, good, uh, um, uh, in, in good uh, conditions of living, yeah. yeah, standards of living. Most of them are those who are paid by dollars and not by uh, Lebanese lira. And the other 90 percent are in a very bad condition, according to the World Bank data. 85, uh, 85 percentage of the population lives under. The line of poverty, quarter um, of, the, of the population in a very severe po- poverty. So uh, the the situation is uh, very bad uh, uh, over there. It's a failed state, actually. If there is a, a state at all, I don't know. And uh, well, Lebanon needs needs help from outside, and I hope it will come from the Western world and not from Iran.
0: Right. Um, j- just one last question, if I, ca- if I may, we mentioned that uh, there uh, the, are the, the elections due not only in Israel, but also in Lebanon, actually the day, the day before on the 31st of October. Um, what should we be looking out for the kind of the, 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 the what and the implications for Israel in terms of the, the candidates? And uh, and if there is if there is obviously Israel wouldn't give their their open backing to any of the candidates. But if there is someone that has that is is better or worse for, for Israel.
1: Uh, the big question is who is going to be and when is going to be elected. As I told you before, uh, one of the scenarios and the more probable scenarios that we wouldn't have a president in Lebanon for a while until they uh, they, they finish the dispute about who is going to be the president. And Hezbollah is inside this, uh, is one of the sides that are going to uh, influence the, the process. Um, Uh, Anyway, as I uh, I understand it, it's not going to be a president that will not uh, be accepted by Hezbollah because of the influence of Hezbollah in the political uh, system, the Lebanese political system nowadays. Uh, is still uh, very uh, dominant. There are a few candidates uh, or names that uh, they talk about there. There is, a, and, and most of them are uh, politicians that uh, Hezbollah is going to support the election. But the big question is what will will happen with the other parties. From the the last elections in Lebanon uh, in May, there is a, a new uh, a new block in the parliament of uh, representatives that wants. Change and then they, but it's a very small group, and they say that they wouldn't agree for a president that is uh, known as uh, siding one of uh, the sides, uh, or that uh, they want him to be neutral, they want him to be competent, they want him to be um, uh, reliable. Um, so the dispute in Lebanon is still going on about the the uh, the president. And you asked me about how it's going to affect Israel. The big question is who is going to be and um, how much he will be in uh, in favor uh, uh, for uh, uh, changing the, the relations uh, uh, with Israel and how much uh, influence he will have on uh, influencing Hezbollah uh, in what he's doing against uh, Israel? is,
0: there, is there only uh, the names? Are there any names worth flagging up that we should look out for?
1: They talk about Farangia. They talk about uh, Farangia. From, uh, uh, he, the president must be Christian, right? Right. They talk about Joseph Aron, who is now the uh, the head of the.
0: Oh, the, the military, military
1: commander. Military commander. Yeah. So this week I heard about a new name. I, I think it's not, uh, it, it wouldn't go, but it's interesting. A woman, she is the granddaughter of uh, Shamoun, the late uh, president uh, Tracy Shamoun. That uh, that she's the only one who is uh, very uh, uh, openly against Hezbollah. And this is the reason why I don't see her uh, being elected. So, um, these are, I, th- there is also, of course, the uh, son-in-law uh, of uh, of uh, Aoun, uh, Basil, that wants to be the president very much, but he's so hated, but by um, most of the of of the uh, of the population, and is also the Americans put some sanctions against him, uh, personal sanctions because he is, as I understand it, quite corrupted. Uh, so I don't see that he's going to be uh, uh, elected.
0: Okay, well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there, but that was absolutely fascinating insight. Thank you so much indeed for, for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me.